far as the GA are concerned, in this matter, it's nothing to do with the individual teams. This is to do with the GAA protecting its own rules, protecting its own reputation. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball daily. Now, the semi-final lineup at the Australian Open in both the men's and women's singles draws has been completed. Indeed, the women's semi-finals will get underway uh, tomorrow morning, our time in Melbourne. Joining us to look back on the quarterfinals that were and what will come in those semi-finals is Molly McAwee of the Telegraph. Molly, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. No bother at all. We have to start, I guess, with the headline, which was Novak Djokovic and his demolition this morning of Andrei Rublev. Uh, he's obviously been battling through a hamstring injury so far in this tournament. Uh, has Djokovic, all evidence of that and traces of that seem to have been gone by the wayside this morning. And I think when he put that first set away 6-1, there were a fair few gulps at how good he was actually playing this morning. Yeah, I mean... To, to think, I was thinking back to last week when I was reporting on him and how he was kind of had the trainer out every other every other set and was really struggling with that hamstring. And against Rublev today, there was no sign of that. He was absolutely he was a machine, really. He was like hitting the lines for fun. He absolutely destroyed Rublev. To think that Rublev is top five player, top top five seeds here, and probably the hardest opponent that he's come across so far. And I think he dispatched with him easier than he has anyone else this tournament. It was really remarkable to to watch really the level he's playing at. Yeah, it was, it was scary stuff when you consider like that hamstring injury, especially in rounds one and two, was certainly a concern for him to the point where he was openly saying, listen, I'm worried about this. I'm concerned where this might go with me and, and, and my performance here. Uh, like I say, it doesn't seem to be a factor at all. Is, is he still avoiding practicing between matches or is that kind of tapered off as this has gone on? Well, he's, I mean, it's a bit of a mystery with the injury, really. He's, he, he, like you say, he was struggling so much with it at the beginning of this tournament. Um, and though he's continued to talk about it and talk about kind of his recovery process and how um, between matches, he's not spending a lot of time on the court. He's spending a lot of time, he said, spending a lot of time um, hooked up to different machines, trying to kind of boost his recovery, I guess. That's the kind of information he gave. But yeah, it's, people are kind of look, looking at it a bit sceptically, I think. I, I think players... Are, have been accused in the past of kind of bigging up an injury to then help take the pressure off maybe mm. I don't know if Djokovic is the type to do that because he seems to handle the pressure pretty well but for him to have made such a great, great recovery it, it's brilliant to see to see the tennis and the level he's playing at um, but yeah some have que- questioned it to be fair and he's kind of bristled at, at, at some of the, um, the commentary that's been around in the last couple of days which has been interesting he's sort of saying he doesn't have anything to prove um, but yeah t- t- obviously anyone watching the tennis would prefer to watch Djokovic at full health so hopefully he's at full health and this semi-final will be will be a brilliant one and most likely through to the final too I'd say it's a boon as well to the Australian Tennis Association to see Djokovic come through this tournament when they've seen other big names particularly in the men's draw fall by the wayside and even like you could stretch that to the women's too and you see the likes of Sviantek going out as comparatively early as, as she did he is the standout name left in, in the men's draw by far despite the fact that you've got a top five player a consistent top five player in there and Stefan Tsitsipas still left in there someone who's been on the bubble for a while and Karen Kashinov but like Djokovic is very much the star name regardless of him beating the fifth set this morning Oh definitely I mean he he. I think going into the tournament every, he was everyone's favourite really mm. but um, to, to 
I guess the the organizers would have been absolutely distraught if he would have had to go out through injury because like you say you look at who's left in the draw and there aren't as many big names left they'll be really relieved as well that Sitsipas is there on the other side of the draw so that potentially if both were to get through to the final we'll probably have a quality final um but even saying that I mean I don't see who can compete with Djokovic at the level he's playing at at the moment um, when you look at who's who's left, even Sitsipas. Um, but yeah, he's a huge draw. And I think looking at this match um, today, watching it this morning, even though the crowd is not always on his side in the way that they are with the likes of Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, yes. and even Andy Murray, I think um, there's he still creates an atmosphere in the stadium, which you can't really replicate um, with the lesser names, I guess, around he seems to have, in terms of his reception, it seems to have reset to type whereby he's never going to be the most popular. He's never going to be a crowd favourite. But certainly the, the the venom with which his reception in Australia was met last year was never going to be replicated this year. I don't think they're happy to, to see the top players back in action, really. How has the general reception around him been in Melbourne? It's been interesting. I think at the beginning, um, the first match he played, his first round, it was amazing to watch kind of the reaction people had they were so happy to see him I think he was even kind of emotional about how happy they were to see him I guess because like you say it's, it's a completely different situation to to the one he was in in, in Australia last year and mm. um, before he was deported but um, as the rounds have gone on as is often the case with Djokovic people have been backing um, I think the crowds have been backing um, the underdog in a lot of ways um, that he, he's kind of had a couple of altercations with some unruly fans in the stadiums too, um, people who are kind of maybe taking it a bit far and shouting out during his serves. But I think he, it, that also is something that he does get energy from. Like I say, he's not the he's not the kind of fan favorite in the way that 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 Federer and Nadal are, but he he does kind of. He, I think he plays up to that villain that villain stereotype that kind of follows him um, as he as he plays around the world and. Um, yeah, it's always fun to watch. There's always drama. So uh, as 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 a viewer, it's 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 always interesting. Have there been kind of questions around those recovery processes that he has in place? Because I know, like you see the social media stuff around him that you know there were questions about what he was being handed from certain coaches from time to time in terms of bottles. There's questions about uh, the supplements that he has been advertising and the people that he would have been advertising on his on his social media feeds and the controversy that that has raised. Not that there's any implication that he's necessarily done anything wrong, but have, have there been those kind of questions of what is he doing to tend to his body at this age? Um, I think in this case, it's been more just kind of everyone's maybe questioning how serious his injury was in the first place, maybe whether he not exaggerated it, but on some level maybe was was kind of overplaying it a little bit. Mm. Just like I said before, I guess some some players can do that to kind of take the pressure off themselves. I think um, it is interesting, to, though, to see the, the question marks around um, his injury this week uh, compared to the way a player like Rafael Nadal is uh, received when he talks about his injuries. Um, and I think that's something that Djokovic kind of referenced in his in his um, in his press conference a couple of days ago, where he was kind of like, "Look, other players don't have to answer as many questions as I do when I'm talking about an injury." Um, I think it's understandable that he's asked questions, though, when he absolutely was all he was talking about was his injury for a few days and yeah. all you could see on the court was him managing that injury and 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 having the trainer out as many times as he could so 
um yeah it, it, it's an interesting one and I think um but I think different to 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 the past when there's been different kind of questions around him and and what are the supplements he takes and things that he promotes I think this is more just about yeah h- h- how how kind of how he might have overplayed overplayed how how, how serious an injury this is but we'll, we'll see we'll see once the tournament's over when, when I'm sure he'll yeah. kind of share all I think with I think with the injuries that you see the likes of Nadal and Andy Murray suffer, they suddenly be, like start moving like eight year old men after a big dinner. Uh, Murray in particular in, in the latter end when you like when you were watching those five setters in the first couple of rounds, like he was struggling, and that's down to the hips and that's down to his ankles being held together by tape and dreams, uh, and his and his runners. Like it's it's very different when Djokovic, who seems to be either grinning and bearing it or as you say, is overplaying it. But he's, he's got Tommy Paul in the semi-finals. I couldn't believe Tommy Paul was just 25. He's one of these names that seems to have been floating around forever already. And yet here he is in a uh, in a Grand Slam semi-final against Novak Djokovic. But he put a, an end to Ben Shelton's dreams. Ben Shelton's story is absolutely remarkable. If you can give us kind of a, a brief synopsis of that because it's been one of the fairy tales down there. Oh, I know. I mean, as much as congrats to Tommy Paul for getting to his first semi-final at a major, but I think a lot of people would have been backing Shelton just because, like you say, his story. I mean, his trip to to Australia, this is the first time he's ever left the USA, which for me is the most mind-blowing part of it because, one, how are you dealing with the, the jet lag? Yeah. <laughs> just on a first standpoint, he's, a, he's also kind of never left the country. Um, to do it, he, he's he's so young as well. And, and for him to be there, I don't think he's with any family either. He's with his coaching staff his, his dad dad is a, uh, brian is a former player um former top player um but i mean shelton's already eclipsed whatever his dad um achieved in his entire career um during the 90s because he's reached his first um grand slam quarterfinal at, the, at his second go of, at it the only other major he's ever played in was the us open in september he only went pro in september or just before september and um, to add on to that, he was ranked outside the top 500 this time last year. Even in May, he still wasn't in the top 500. So to see how he played, the kind of, yeah, he had a lot of charisma on the court, the kind of the confidence he had. I think everyone has been enjoying how he's been playing. He's a lefty as well, which I think um, makes him stand out. Um, yeah, there's a lot to like about his story. And I think it's exciting it's an exciting kind of breakthrough for him yeah. and hopefully we'll see more of him as the season goes on. You'd imagine there'd be a, a number of big name coaches would be licking their lips at the prospect of working with a player like that and kind of moulding them to make the next step because clearly the raw materials are already in place. Totally. I mean, he's worked all of his life though with his father as one of his main coaches. He he went through the college system, which a lot of players are doing more and more um, at the moment, kind of um, opting opting to kind of go to college rather than go pro during their teens. And he did that. His his father was his his coach at um the University of Florida and he did very well there. He became national champion. So um yeah, I think they might be um fighting a losing battle if they try and if they try and go for go yeah. for him because he might pick dad over them. <laughs> it, it's worked for others in the past, uh, that's for sure. As mm. regards what kind of challenge uh, Tommy Paul can put up to, to Djokovic this seems almost like it should be as straightforward, if not more so, than the Roblev match was this morning. Yeah, I mean, you want to be more optimistic, but I'd be super surprised if Paul would even win a set against Djokovic in the form that he's in. The one thing, I guess, working in his favour is he's never played against Djokovic, so mm. Djokovic will need to kind of work him out a little bit, and that can often lead to maybe more 
kind of uh, surprise result sometimes or 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 simply just a slower start because I mean the way that Djokovic started against Rublev today he he was he blew him out of the water straight away with that first set so um that could be something that works to Paul's advantage um he's he's a great athlete he's been working on um bringing more variety to his game in the last couple of years and kind of going for that serve and volley or, or kind of working on his volleying tactics come to the net a bit more so I mean if he brings some variety he could he could make it interesting but yeah Djokovic has never lost a semi-final um in Melbourne so mm. this is 10th I think so um yeah it's he's got a pretty pretty good record On the other side of the draw, as you mentioned, it's going to be Karen Kashinov and, and Stefanos Tsitsipas. Much like I mentioned, Tommy Paul seemed like he's been around for ages. It seems like Stefanos Tsitsipas has been embedded in the top 10, if not the top 5 of the ATP rankings for so long. And yet, he's still to make that vault and that leap through to, uh, to winning a Grand Slam. This is as good a chance as he's going to get, uh, you would think, for the next uh, year or so. Because he, he's been playing imperious tennis so far throughout this tournament, really. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's like you say, it does feel like he's been there thereabouts at the top for so long, but we're still talking about him making his big breakthrough, I guess. Mm. Um it's it, it's it's interesting. I'm sure he would have liked to have liked it to have happened quicker. What I would say about his run is um run in Melbourne this year, he's I think he's shown a lot of maturity where sometimes maybe before he's he's kind of faltered or had a bit of kind of a scare. I mean, he he he, he did very well to to beat Sinner in the fourth round but other than that he hasn't been tested too hard by anyone he had a pretty good draw as well um so I think he looks strong uh I don't know he, he obviously he, he needs to get past Hatchinov before he gets to the final um Hatchinov also been in brilliant form I'd backed it to pass to get to the final but um yeah if anyone can do damage on Djokovic at the moment in that final yeah good luck to them because <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Kashinov is, is, is one of these players who's been on the bubble for a while he had a run to the quarters in Roland Garros four years ago now uh, like I remember watching him through, throughout I think I think it was in the, the, the fourth round match there and think, being very impressed by him and thinking that this is a guy who can probably move on to the next level has stuttered a little bit since then but again this is very much an opportunity for him to solidify his place in those upper echelons yeah I think uh, you're right. He he kind of did falter for a while after making a bit of a breakthrough a few years ago. He 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 did very well in New York. Got to the semifinals there just a, a few months ago. And and here he, he's he's done really well with quite a tricky draw. I mean, he he got past Francis Tiafo, which I know they've got quite a similar ranking, but I think a lot of people would have backed Tiafo to get past him. Um, I mean, he was kind of lucky that Porter ended up pulling out. Um, of the quarterfinal with a, an injury, a, yeah. a wrist injury, I think it was, because Sebi Corder's a really tough opponent and someone that a lot of people were kind of really talking up in this tournament. But Hatchinov's kind of got through, got d- done very well. And I think I think he'll take confidence from having had that semi-final in New York and having that under his belt to kind of, um, yeah, to, to, to kind of come into this and think I'm... I'm I've got experience here, and I'm I'm sure he he'll, he'll he'll feel like he can give Sits Pass a real good run for his money. Um, yeah, Sits Pass, I think is the favourite, but it, it he he's like I say, he can he can have hiccups um, 
from time to time. Yeah. So it depends if he can hold his nerve. Uh, tomorrow morning's women's semifinals, ridiculously interesting because we've got Victoria Azarenka, who's, this has been her favourite tournament, it would seem, uh, winning it twice. She, she could go, I think it's over 10 years, will be the gap between Grand Slam wins, which for anybody I think would be the longest ever. Uh, she's going up against Elena Rybakina, who obviously performed brilliantly at Wimbledon last year. And yet they're 22nd and 24th seeds. And yet we're probably looking at the potential winner of the tournament coming from this semifinal. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that Azarenka is through to the semifinal. I think she's such a great player to watch when she's at her best. Like you say, it's a great story because it's a decade on from from the height of her career. She's been working kind of back to that. She's also a mother um, and one of the women on tour who's fought really hard for um for women to have um better facilities to to be mothers on tour to travel the world so she's she's part of the player council and fought really hard to get um yeah um, family crushes on at different big events around the globe so yeah she's she's i think someone who has a brilliant story and she's playing amazingly i mean for her to take out jessica pagula uh, was I think a shock to most people. Yeah. Um, Pagula was just on fire, and she could not play against Azarenka. Azarenka was unplayable, and um, yeah, really cool to see her in 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 the semi final. But Elena Rybakina, I mean, she also looks unstoppable. For uh, I mean, we we saw how she did it in at Wimbledon. I guess the way that she kind of just pummels the ball that serve is crazy, and when she goes for her shots, she really goes for them. And if yeah. they're if she's hitting them, I don't think that there's a way of beating her. I think we've seen her take out people and make it look so easy in the past. Um, and it, I think it's also a, a brilliant moment for her because at Wimbledon, she once she didn't get the ranking points out of Wimbledon. So um, that, that kind of meant that even though she's a Wimbledon champion, she's gone into future tournaments and not actually had the best draws that yeah. she should have had, I guess. Um, but also beyond that, I think she she's not maybe been given the same respect that previous Wimbledon champions have had. She started um, Melbourne on, she started her campaign in Melbourne on court 13. That's unheard of to think of a Wimbledon champion starting on an outside court. And it's something that she says doesn't really bother her. She actually gave this great line the other day uh, in an interview where she said, it doesn't matter where you which court you start the the tournament on. It's the one that you end it on. And obviously, she's been playing on Rod Laver the last couple of matches, so she's really proven that. But I think her run here has proven maybe to a lot of people in tennis that okay, I'm not the most marketable girl about according to these organisers who are putting me on the outside courts, but I've got a lot to give, I guess. So I think she's proven a point. So that will be a really, really brilliant match. Uh, the other one as well is, is obviously Magda Lynette, the pole that we didn't expect to be in the semi-finals uh, in Melbourne. But the yeah. players that she's already disposed of, the Annette Contevites, uh, the Ekaterina Alexandrovas and Caroline Garcia, there's every reason to suggest that she can see off Irina Sabalenka in this semi-final. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the the win you mentioned there that was the biggest one was obviously Caroline Garcia, who I think a lot of people were picking to to have a great tournament here. She had a brilliant year last year, so to, to see Magdalena take her out in the way that she did was was brilliant. I think she's it's a feel good story as well. I mean, she's she's in uncharted territory here um, in that she's never been. I don't she'd ever been past the third round at a major before. Um, coming here, so um, yeah, and like you say, she's not the, the 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 Polish player we were expecting to see here. She's she's um, yeah representing while Igor Swiatek obviously crashed out a little mm. earlier. I think 
Irina Sabalenka, though, has been the player that has looked most unstoppable so far this this tournament. Sure. She's not dropped a set. I don't think she's dropped a set all year. I know it's, we're only in January, but she's she's got a few matches under her belt now to not drop a set. And um, I think her story is one of another kind of really interesting one. She's been at the top of the game, obviously for a few. I think for a few years she's she's been within the, that top ten kind of field. But last year had an absolute shocker where she. Even though she did well at some tournaments, she could not get her serve under control and hit more than 400 double faults in the season, which was over 100 more than anyone else. So, I mean, I think to see her playing here in the way that she has, like very calmly, not kind of falling apart in the way that her serve did last year and the way that I guess her, I mean, her 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 emotions sometimes get the better of her on court and she's been much more level-headed this 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 season so far um so yeah it, it, i think she'll she'll if she can keep that kind of level head um she'll, she'll do well as well yeah it'll be a good morning tomorrow morning for sure our time anyway for those two semi-finals but for now uh, molly mckelby thanks so much for joining us uh, this evening to talk about through that australian open action thank you thanks very much